John chapter, we were at the end of John chapter 2, read into John chapter 3 last week, and we're going to pick up, I'll read a little bit of last week, and start into John chapter 3, and just so you know, we could spend the next year in the first half of John chapter 3. Uh, we'll see. I don't, <laughs> there's a lot there, a lot there. I'm going to read the very tail end of John chapter 2 just so we have surrounding scripture again. And so let's pick up John chapter 2, verse 23. Are you there? All right. Now, when he, the he is Jesus, was in Jerusalem at Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And had no need that anyone should testify of a man, for he knew what was in man. We talked about then in chapter 3, it says there was a man, verse 1, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews. And the man, this man came to Jesus by night and said to them, him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, we talked about last week the, that many believe, but Jesus, let me say it in, in JRV, JR version, paraphrase for you. Jesus said many believe, he said, but Jesus didn't buy into it because he knew that their belief was mental assent at the signs that he done. They was, it wasn't a heart transformation in, that was going on in them. They, they were chasing the signs that we spent all of last week, which is what Nicodemus addresses in the opening of, of John chapter 3, says, We know you're a man sent from God, for no one can do these signs. And we're going to, let's read on, and then I will come back to that for just a minute. And John 3, 3, And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, if you've been here the last few weeks, we've mentioned it before we've even gotten here. Notice that Jesus did not even address what Nicodemus said. Teacher, we know you're a man sent from God because no one could do these signs unless God was with him. Jesus didn't even acknowledge it. He just said, most assuredly, or King James, verily, verily, I say unto you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. I'm kind of thinking about writing a book on that verse. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I've decided that I could go on for, I could elaborate for weeks and months on verse 7. Whatsoever is of flesh is flesh. Whatever is of spirit is spirit. It's a key verse. 
Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. I think we will stop there tonight. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Verse 3 is where we will focus tonight via Acts chapter 10. John chapter 3, verse 3 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We're going to turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He talked about the signs. Last week we covered talking about that, that signs are not what people have to believe. You believe the word. That it was literally a problem then as it is now that people are basing their, their, what, their relationship with God on their experience rather than what is written and what is true. We even talked about last week lying signs and wonders that Jesus himself said would be the mark, one of the marks of the last days, lying signs and wonders. And I'll just add before we move to Acts chapter 10, talking about, it says this was one of the Pharisees, Nicodemus was one of the Pharisees, one of the the Jewish leadership. Here's some things you need to understand about the Jewish nation, the children of Abraham at that time in the Old Covenant and the Pharisees and their relationship and their leadership. Nobody before or since has ever seen more signs, bigger signs, more miraculous signs than them. Nobody before or since. And and the prophet said he came into his own and his own received him not. The signs were about power, and in their mind, the power was about being delivered from Roman occupation. They missed their deliverer, their Messiah, looking for a political solution. That's what happened. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Signs are the result of believing. They are not what causes one to believe. I'm not going to reteach all last week. If you need to get caught up on that, that piques your interest in. Because there's many, many people think, man, if I just saw what they saw, if I just had the signs they had, the, 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 the miracles they, they've seen, that I would believe or my friend, family would believe. No, sir. That's not how it works. Unless, he says, for I know, Nicodemus says, you must be a man from God. You're our teacher. Come from God. For no one could do these signs unless God was with him. And Jesus answered and said to him. Jesus answered him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Unless a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of heaven. Interesting. Because in the the last verses of chapter 2, 
He's telling you that many believed on him, but Jesus didn't commit. Jesus didn't believe them. Jesus, he, he discerned their heart. He knew who they were, that, their, that their, awe, their shock and awe and their belief was based on the miracles and the signs they'd seen, not on who he was. They were amazed, but they were unconverted. Religious, but unconverted. I've made a kind of shocking statement in the past. It's not the first time I've ever said it, but one of the, one of the, you, do you ever see the statistics where 14, 15, 1600 ministers a month are leaving the ministry? There are some reasons for that. Among them, as they were never called to the ministry to begin with, that's one of them, and probably the biggest one. But another reason is, is we are spending all of our time, money, and energy trying to disciple the unconverted. Trying to, trying to sanctify the, the lost, the unredeemed. It's absolutely impossible. And it ends in frustration and defeat. Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 begins this way. And there's a lot to cover tonight, so we're going to hurry. Acts chapter 10 begins this way. We're going to hurry. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all of his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always, and about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a, in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius! And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, It is the Lord. And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Cornelius, a man of the Italian regiment. Let me speed it up. Cornelius was a Gentile, not of the Jews. And outside of the covenant of Abraham. Historically, by all accounts, every commentator, every theologian, by all accounts, Cornelius was the first Gentile to be born again, to be saved. Everybody with me? I want you to hear me. Hear, hear John chapter 3, verse 3. And Jesus answered him and said, Truly, or most assuredly, I say to you, unless a, a person is born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God.
Cornelius, the house of Cornelius. What, read what it said about him. I'm being slow. I've not screamed, yelled, or spit yet on purpose. There was a captain of Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion. Listen, verse 2, a devout man. One who feared God with all of his household, who gave alms generously to the people, who prayed to God always. Perfect church member. That's what that describes. What are we missing about Cornelius in those verses already? But this, this is elementary. And I'm aware of it. It's also what most of the church is missing today. Cornelius was lost. Well, I don't know if we'll get any shout out of anybody tonight. But it, it will point a shining light on what's true and what's right. Because Cornelius was doing everything right. And Cornelius' heart did get the attention of God because it was a sincere heart. That's a nice word, so let me stop on it. It was a sincere heart because you're not going to get to God flippantly. You're not going to get to God uh, mockingly. You're not going to get to God pretentiously. You're not, here's one thing about God. He knows who you are to your core. He was devout, generous, prayed, and gave. And he was lost. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a person, a man, is born again, he shall not see the kingdom of heaven. He had a sincere heart in all of these things that he done, and this got and the angel came and said to him, Your prayers and your alms have came up before God as a memorial. It opened the door for the Spirit of God. To work with him. I'm going slow. On purpose. I want you to think. I want you to understand. That all of those things. Didn't make any difference. In his standing with God. Other than to open the door. For the gospel to come to his heart. Let me say it a different way. If Cornelius had rejected. Had not obeyed. In the next few paragraphs, if Cornelius had, re- had, had rebuffed Peter's message, if Cornelius had have not made any change in his life spiritually, his generosity, his prayer, his giving, and his devotion... And his sincerity would have made no difference. He would have died lost. Amen. 
You must be born again. Cornelius, there are lots of people hear me. There are many people all over the world in this room, in this town, in this state, in this country, in this, all over the world that are sincere. Sincerity is not the measure of salvation. You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. You must be born again. You know, it's almost an eerie silence even in this room tonight. Because this is literally, this is, John chapter 3, all of my life, most of the people in this room, most of your life, it was, if you didn't know any other scripture in the word of God, you knew John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the same chapter. It's also no longer the number one known verse. Now the number one known verse is Matthew 7 and 1, that is judge not lest thou be judged. Without seven, without chapter 7, 2 through 10. Just chapter 7, verse 1. The second most verse uh, is my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's no longer for God so loved the world that he gave. And we've came to the point, again, you've heard it said a lot, you're going to hear it said a lot more. That even tonight, in this room, looking around, and and and, and the listening faces, it is, you can see the wheels turning. Even now, understand, getting your mind around, that all these things that you do right, and that Cornelius was doing right, are irrelevant if you're not born again. It is literally, literally, literally Christianity 101. Literally. It is, there, there is no other step before it. It is, it is, the, it is the basic of the basic, and yet it's the, it is the most rejected notion on the planet today. That unless you're born again, you're lost. Mm. I don't even know if I can read the rest of the chapter to open some things up to you yet. Because here's some things we need to understand. Because already I feel the questions in my spirit about the age-old question. Why would a God that loves send anyone to hell? You're asking the wrong question. It's the wrong question. The real question is how would a, how would a, a, a holy God, perfectly holy, perfectly just, perfectly righteous, in all of his ways, accept a fallen sinner into his kingdom, into his family? That's the, that's the right question. Mm-mm. It's going to be stump after stump tonight, Matt. Here's some things we need to understand. 
Hell was not created for mankind. Never. Hell was created for Lucifer and the third of the fallen angels that fell, that fell with him. That's who it was created for. But when man chose to believe the liar rather than the truth, it separated man from God. Sin is a terrible thing. It's, we, we hardly even address it anymore. We do. But the church by and large hardly even addresses that word anymore, sin. Sin, there, I really don't even have time tonight to even begin to address what sin is and the penalty that comes with it. But, I, but the wages of sin, somebody hear me, why would God, listen to me, God has never, God has never sent anyone to hell. And Adam's fall did not sin. I, if, if I was to die and go to hell tonight, it would not be because of Adam's sin. It would be my sin, not Adam's. Here is the love of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. What's it say? You, should, you, you hear it nearly every service. That God commended his own love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What is John 3, 16? I just quoted it to you. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave. The world doesn't mean the terra firma and the continents and the oceans and the land. The land, the world are the people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish. No, God didn't create damnation it came with the fall when people chose to disobey God and throw in their lot with the enemy hear me hear me this is important but I didn't even plan on being here tonight on this part hear me Romans chapter 8 tells you this that the wages of sin somebody say the wages the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. What is a wage? So what, is a, what is a wage? Wages are something you've earned. But the gift, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. You earned it. But the gift of God is eternal life. Salvation is a gift. You didn't earn it. Can't earn it. Only thing you can do with a gift is receive it. You can't earn it. That's why we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Cornelius's devotion, his prayer, his alms, his generosity, 
his sincerity without faith that brings conviction is nothing more than religious activity and works. Cornelius was lost. But he found grace. You know how I know he found grace is because God heard his prayer. And he sent the way. When all of the Gentile world was outside of the covenant up until this point. Now we know, I'm not going to go through them all. We know that there's a lot of people today that think that God changed between Malachi and Matthew. <laughs> really, that, really, it would not even be between Malachi and Matthew. It would be between Genesis, the creation, and, and the tomb. Because even the Gospels up until the resurrection are under the old covenant. There's many people think in fact, most people probably think that God changed between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. God's never changed. In fact, it's impossible for Him to change. He said, I'm the Lord your God, what? And I change not. What does it say even of Jesus? Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, forever. God's never changed. Do you know that even under the old covenant, that salvation came by the grace of God through faith in the blood <laughs> by grace? The sacrificial system was the type and the shadow and looked forward to the cross. Now, after the resurrection, we look back to the cross. The sacrificial system was the type. The cross was the fulfillment. But even under the old covenant, see that the, the covenant with Abraham that God made with Abraham became about the children of Israel. It was it was it was a the children of Abraham were the Jewish people. But even under the old covenant, it was still whosoever will. There was never a time, now or any other time, never. That God rejected someone who put their faith in him. Amen. Amen. Rahab. At Jericho. Among the heathen. You're going to find her in the lineage of Jesus. A heathen. What happened? She believed. God saved her. We won't go through, they're, all, they're scattered all through the Old Covenant. If they called on him. Remember even New Testament. Remember the time when the Syrophoenician woman brought her daughter to Jesus outside of the covenant and said, my daughter is sick and she needs to be healed. And Jesus said, hey, hold, hold up. He said, it's not for me to give the children, to, to feed the children's bread to the dogs. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's rough. And she said, 
Well, I'm going to the church down the street. I ain't putting up with this junk. They'd never treat me down there at the church of whatever. I, I don't even lie. I went down there. I heard about this that new preacher that was drawing crowds all over the country. And I went down there and he called me a dog. And I'm going back to my old church or the new church or the other church. This Gentile lady. You know what she said? Truth. Jesus said, it's not, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to give the children's bread, that is the Jews' word. Oh, do you even know that the children, he's talking about the children, he's talking about the children of Abraham, the children of Israel, he was talking about the Jews. He said, the children's bread. He was talking about the word, the living word. He said, you think, I'm not going to give the children's bread to the dogs. That's what they call Gentiles, the dogs. The Pharisees would actually pray it in the street. I thank God that I wasn't born a dog. Talking, wasn't talking about canines. He was talking about Gentiles. Jesus said to her, I'm going to give the children's bread to the dogs. And she said, truth, Lord. There's a confession. But even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. This is Old Covenant. You know what he said to her? He, he said, the Bible says that he marveled. Jesus, the Son of God, marveled at her faith. Not a generic faith. Her faith in him, the living word. Truth, Lord, even the dog, but even the dogs get the, even, he said, actually, even the little dogs Eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Said so Jesus marveled at her faith. And he said, Woman, greater faith than this I've not seen in all of Israel. And he told her, Your daughter is healed from this hour. It's whoever believes in him. Receives life. It's not whoever's religious. It's not whoever's sincere. It's not whoever's doing the right things at the right time, going through the right motions. It's who believes on Him, puts their faith in who He is and what He's done. You become something completely different. Completely different. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He changes who you are. Unless a man be born again. He, shall not, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Oh, that's a lot on one verse. Oh, we, could, we, we hadn't even scratched this verse. But Jesus is going to go on in, chapter, in John chapter 10. We'll mention it tonight. It'll come up later. Remember, he says, I am. It's some of the I am's of John, by the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The angels came and said, I'm sending away for you. And at the same time that he's dealing with Cornelius, that your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial and there's a way coming for you, God is dealing with Peter, the Jew. At the same time, he's at Simon the Tanner's house, and he go, it's time to eat, and he goes up to the roof, and he fall, the Bible says in, in Acts chapter 10 that Peter falls into a trance. And when he falls into a trance, it says that there was something like a sheet that lowered down out of heaven by four corners. And in that sheet was it let down, and it had all kinds of unclean animals, unclean things to eat. Against Dietary restrictions of Jewish law. Shrimp and lobster and rice bacon and pettigene ham. Y'all can have all that catfish, but they, it was probably there too. All that stuff. This is one Arkansas boy that don't like catfish. But it was all there. It was there. If you like catfish, it was on the sheet. And all the, and, 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 and hot dogs. <laughs> Not bar S, that's dog food. <laughs> it was at least Oscar Mayer beef. <laughs> well, that bar S might have been on there. People, somebody's got to eat it. I have bought that for dog food. I ain't eating it. And all these unclean things on the sheet. And, and from heaven, the, Jesus says, rise, kill, and eat to Peter. And Peter said, oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, in my Bible, it's written in, in, in red. That rise, kill, and eat. That was Jesus speaking to Peter. And he says, oh, no. I'll not eat it. I have never eaten anything unclean. And Jesus said, what I have cleansed, what I have declared clean, don't you call unclean. And it said it happened three times. And Peter's pondering this and doesn't know what's going on. And he's like, what in the world? But Peter went down to the men who sent him, uh, that come after him to get him from Cornelius in verse 21 and said, yes, I'm he that you seek. And, and why did you come? They said, Cornelius the centurion, just a man who fears God and has a good reputation among the nations of all the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house to hear the words of you and then invite them in and lodge with them. You got to understand something. There's something else that's happening. God has just said, what I cleanse, don't you call it unclean. And it was against law. It was against the old covenant. It was against the law for Peter to even walk in the man's house, much less sit down and eat with him. It was against the law. 
And Peter's going to get called before, before the general council here in a minute. I don't know if it was in the Houston office or at Springfield. I don't know where it was. <laughs> in, verse 20, in verse 24, the following day in Caesarea, and now Cornelius was waiting. I like Cornelius. Cornelius was waiting on him with his family. Boy, somebody get hold of that. Cornelius was waiting for him and called his family together, his relatives and his close friends. Man's not even saved. And he knows that he needs something and his family needs it and his friends need it. And get over to my house. We're having a wing ding. And this dude's coming over to talk to us about it. I don't know what he's got to say. As Peter was coming, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet to worship him. And Peter said, get up. Don't fall down and worship me. I mean, that's what they would do today. They'd have you kiss the ring. I mean, I didn't, oh. He said, get up. I'm just a man. Just like you are. That's all I am. I'm also a man. Verse 27. And as they, he talked with them, he went and found a way. Who, uh, they had come together. And then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company or to go into another nation? But God has shown me. Oh, it makes me want to preach something else right there because that, everything in his tradition, everything in his religion, everything in how he was raised, everything under the old covenant, it wasn't legalism, it said it. You need to understand it wasn't extra, it said it. He was not supposed to be there. But when Jesus came, when the blood was applied, when the law was fulfilled, when the covenant was renewed, whenever, whenever, whenever God made this, wrote this new covenant in his, in his own blood, everything changed as it concerned the unclean. Say, God didn't change. I thought you said God didn't change. God didn't change. The blood changed everything. See, the blood of bulls and goats couldn't do it, Jeff. The blood of bulls and goats couldn't do it. The old covenant couldn't do it. Hebrews says that now we have a better covenant based on better promises. The writer of Hebrews went on to say that Jesus was better than the law. That he was better than Moses. That he was better than the angels. That he was better than the old covenant. He was better than the priesthood. He was better. It says now, he said, I know it's unlawful, but God has shown me that I shall not call any man common or unclean. Oh, make, stay on track, J.R. Don't you go down that rabbit hole. Oh. Therefore I've come without objection as soon as I was sent for. And I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? And Cornelius said four days ago I was fasting. Oh, Matt, he even fasted. He even fasted. Oh, he, was, he even fasted. You know what he was? Lost. He was lost. All of that didn't, didn't help him. Fasted. In the ninth hour, I came and prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood in bright clothing before me. 
and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered in the sight of God. Therefore, I called to Joppa, get this man named Peter. He's at Simon the Tanner's down by the sea. And when he comes, he will speak to you. So therefore, I sent and called and here you are. <laughs> now, therefore, in verse 33, we're all present before God to hear the things that God commanded by you, commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth. Man, I have found 16 things on the way by that we could preach for a week on. Peter didn't come to town and say, preach the gospel everywhere you go. Necessary, use words. <laughs> that was Francis of Anisi, not Jesus. <laughs> You know what's necessary? Words. Do you know what you know what's necessary? Somebody hear me tonight. Do you know what's necessary? The words. Do you know what's necessary? The word. You know what's necessary? The word. It was by the foolish. The Bible says it's by the foolishness of preaching that men are saved. You know what's necessary? Words. Go out, go into all the world and preach. The gospel. You know, what, you, know what, you know what you have to have to preach? Words. Your actions, your life better match your words. But let me tell you what's necessary. Words. They didn't send for Peter for him to come stand in front of him and everybody look at him. Then Peter opened his mouth and said... In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Right at the first thing out of the box, I believe King James says that uh, I believe that in truth that God shows that, uh, what, what's it say, King James? Uh, help me. He's, not, he's no respecter of persons. You know what he's saying? Whew, this is new to me. But God's going to let me preach to the Gentiles too. I, I have perceived today that this Jesus this lamb, the, the, the lamb for the world that John, the, John the Baptist proclaimed, behold the lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world, the one that the angel told to Joseph that you shall call his name Jesus and he shall save the people from their sin. This, it, Peter, Peter is having an, uh, an epiphany. That's a biblical word. He's having an epiphany right before their eyes of what is happening. He says, Peter opened his mouth and he and he, first thing he said is, my word, God is going to pour it out on you people too. It's for everybody. Somebody hear me, it's for everybody. Now you ain't hearing me, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. It's for red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Well, let me get into some neck deep mud. It's for Legal, and it's for illegal. Oh, you feel that? You feel that sucking sound? <laughs> no respect your persons. <laughs> you know who it was for? It's for the ones locked up of them five penitentiaries in a row down between Beaumont and Port Arthur. It's for them. It's for that street that runs behind this church. 
It's for Deer Park. And it's for Port Arthur. I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Can I help somebody out with something? Who did the, who did the Jews hate in Israel? Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, who? Why they thought Jesus was going to deliver them from who? The Romans. Why did they get all mad and abandon him? Why did why did the people that were Hosanna in one day crucifying him the next? Why? Because he wasn't coming after Rome. Let, let, let me help define something for you. It says Cornelius was an officer of the Italian regiment. Guess what he was? A Roman soldier. Huh. Hmm. This is one of those times where they're preaching better than you're amening. Because you know there's people... Is there anybody in this room that you, anybody in this room have somebody you don't like? Rest that you're lying. You are lying. I mean, I hate to say that, but I mean, when I, Jeff, the light just went off over you. I don't know what that means. <laughs> we don't know what's going on out there, but I get it. <laughs> you know, some people are hard to like. Yeah. There are just some people I'm glad God loves them and I love them through Him. <laughs> Man, if it was up to me, y'all know what I would do. If you've been here long enough, you know what JR would do if it was up to me. Boom, boom, boom. That's why it's not up to us. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what Elijah done. Remember, Old Testament, and they come by man, he's up the tree and they said, If you be a man of God, come down. Boom, 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 boom. Left black spots everywhere. And the next group come through and said, If if you be a man of God, he said, boom, 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 boom. Smoked them. The third group that come through said, Oh man of God. <laughs> 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 they say, well, who is this guy? Don't worry about it. <laughs> the word which, verse 36, chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, verse 36. <laughs> Peter's talking. You know, you got to use words. It says, the word, verse 36 says, the word which God sent to the children, children of Israel, preaching peace, peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed through Judah and began in Galilee after the baptism, that which John preached, how Jesus anointed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healed all who were afflicted of the devil. Mm -hmm. For God was with him. And we're all witnesses of all these things which he both did in the land and the Jews and in Jerusalem who they, who they killed by hanging on a tree and God raised him up on the third day. You, do you hear what Peter's doing? Have y'all caught what he's doing? He is giving them the gospel. 
the straight up gospel. You killed uh, verse 40 said God raised him up on the third day and showed him openly not to all the people but to the witnesses chosen before God and even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead and he commanded to us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to do uh, to be both judge of the living and the dead oh I forgot how many times you heard me preach that who's going who's going to judge Jesus the living word by the written word To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. Why? I love the book of Acts after, uh, altar calls. This is how they're supposed to be. It says, and while, it says, and while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And to those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. And Peter answered and said, Can any man forbid water that they should be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded that they be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they asked him to stay for a few days. And then they called him to the general council. And I ain't going to go through all that, but I'm going to tell you what they did. They, they called and said, what in the world went on down there at Cornelius' house? And why in the world were you even there? Don't you know that a Jew is not supposed to be in this man's house? This is the council in Jerusalem. This is the apostles. This is, they, he said, oh, I know I ain't supposed to be down there. But while I was at Simon the Tanner's house, God let down a sheet. He showed me the catfish and the bacon, told me to rise and kill and eat. And I said, no, I never ate something like that. And God said, what I've cleansed, you can eat. And he says, now go down there and tell that Gentile about who I am. And you know what happened? When I did, the Spirit of God fell. They got saved. They spoke in other tongues. I dunked them in water. And that says that they perceived that the God had poured out on the Gentiles too. And why did I just read you all of that? Why did I go through all of that? Because I, uh, you must be born again. Amen. Cornelius was doing it all right. You know what he was? He was lost. The rules and the do's and the don'ts won't save you. Here's some things I'm glad about. Well, let me tell you some things I know. There's a whole lot of false Christianity that makes its way around the world. And it goes from one extreme to the other extreme. One extreme tells you, basically drags you back to the law and says you got saved by grace, but you're going to have to walk this thing out through getting it all right. And when you don't get it all right, boom, you're going right straight to hell. That's what it says. I was raised about halfway under that. Man, I was, I, I was afraid to get mad at my dog. Afraid if the Lord come back, I'd miss the rapture. Because I'd done something wrong. That's not the gospel. Then there's the other side of it. It says you, you, 
Do your little ditty and you go to your little, say your little thing and you go do your little thing. And if you make sure you give some, I, I, people that, people, there's a, that, that's one thing about, <laughs> that's one thing about religious people, they're a little nervous. They'll give. <laughs> that's true, they will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Simon the sorcerer was like that too. Why can I, I got lots of money, why can I buy that gift? And Peter said, your money perish with you. Ain't about that either. So you got the crowd over here that you got saved by grace through faith and you know it, but you're going to have to live this thing out to get by the do's and don'ts of getting it right. And you got the crowd over here that says that you, 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 you're unconverted, really, is what you are, but, but, you're, but you, you're checking all the boxes and you know what? Neither one of but I live in any way I want to. I got news for you. I got news for you. I got news for you. There's no, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as a born-again believer that lives any way they want to. There's no such thing. I ain't talking about perfection. I'm not talking about you get it right. Because, you know, Paul even talked about I, in Philippians, he said, I'm not attained. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm not perfect. But, I, but you know what I'm doing? I'm striving for it. I'm pressing towards it. He, that's what he said. He said, I'm not attained it. They were talking about his perfection. He said, I'm not, I'm not there yet. He said, but this one thing I do. I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I'm looking forward to those things that are ahead. He said, and I press. Has anybody ever pressed anything that didn't take some doing? I'm not, I'm, I, I'm talking about that. Oh. He told me to wrap it up. He said, I press. He said, I hadn't got it right completely yet, but I'm pressing toward the mark, the prize of the hall calling in Christ Jesus. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Let me give you a whiplash back to John chapter 3. Because I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to it. He must be. Hear me, you must be. You must be. You must be. They baptized me when I was a baby. So what? You must be born again. They baptized me when I was 20. So what? You must be born again. There's nowhere in the Word of God that, that baptism precedes redemption. Repentance and redemption. Nowhere. Let me tell you what happens. Uh, I'm dealing with some religious things tonight I didn't expect to deal with, but here they are. You know what happens if, you, if you're not saved and you get baptized? You go, you, you started, you go down a dry center and you come up a wet center. That's what happens. You go down a dry center, you come up a wet center. Because baptism doesn't save you. Baptism testifies of your salvation. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, I think I'm parking there a minute. Because it's so misunderstood. You got to go back to the day. And that day baptism could cost you your life. 
particularly if you were a Jew. Because baptism literally testified to the world that I've left the circumcision, that I've left the Abrahamic covenant, and I've came into agreement with this Jesus, the Christ. It was a big deal. Religion gets in the way of what the Word of God says. Our creeds and our traditions are irrelevant when laid beside the Word of God. If our creeds and our doctrinal statements and our mission statements and all those things don't agree with the Word of God, they're worth less than the paper that they're printed on. In fact, they cost souls for eternity. Hear me. I know people are not used to people like me anymore. It's okay. So far, I've barely, I've barely elaborated on the Scripture. I've just read the Scripture. You're safe within the Scripture. And I'm saying it, and it's going it, it, to get used to it. Because far too long... In the American church, all we want to talk about is the things God loves. And we should preach the things God loves. And we should love the things God loves. The things God loves. But equally as true is you should hate the things that God hates. The psalmist said it over and over. I'll meditate on your word. I will take in your precepts. Therefore, I hate every false way. The Proverbs tell you that the fear of the Lord is to hate the things that he hates. The Proverbs tells us that there's things God hates all through the word. People don't think God can hate, and there's things God hates. And we are to hate the things that God hates. There's a deception. It's a clever deception. How I many of you know the best deception is the clever deception? The best deception is the clever deception. The one that's, what's well, one of my favorite Charles Spurgeon quotes. Y'all, y'all know him? You ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? <laughs> Charles Spurgeon said that discernment is not discernment is not knowing right from wrong. That's not discernment. Charles Spurgeon said discernment is not knowing what's right from what's wrong. Discernment, biblical discernment is to know what's right from what's almost right. The greatest deceptions ever, whether scriptural or otherwise, right in on the back of truth. 
The most dangerous deceptions the most clever are, the, are the most clever deceptions, the ones that are almost right. But almost right is completely wrong. It's not partially right. It's completely wrong. It's either, it's either it's a partial lie or a part, let me say it a different way. A partial truth is a whole lie. Even our, even our judicial system knows that. Anybody ever been in a courtroom or watched Matlock? Well, that, that, that just put me in the old, uh, that just put me in. <laughs> yeah. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Why? Because a partial truth is a lie. Even, our, even the, judicial, the judicial system knows that. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. You know what you get from a lawyer that you get the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth? Three answers. <laughs> Just in case anybody got offended by that, my son and my daughter-in-law are lawyers, so it's fair game. Say, <laughs> so, boy, you know what I get from you when you get, I want the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. <laughs> Three answers. And he says, shut up. <laughs> Why am I talking about this? Because this is what has been bought. Are y'all okay? This is what's been brought into the church world that has taken over today. I've heard it from district superintendents. I've heard it from little church preachers, mega church preachers. I've heard it taught in classes. I've heard one of the favorite things is just, just teach the truth. Just teach what's true. It'll handle what's error. That's not what Paul did. It's not what Jesus did. It's not what Moses did. It's not what Isaiah, Jeremiah. It's not what anybody did. They handled what was true and what was wrong. Just, just the positive. Hear me. There's, there, there's, isn't that clever? Preach, preach, preach the love of God and preach what's positive. Don't, don't preach the negative. Just preach the positive. It'll take care of the negative. No, what happens when you, do, when you preach what's the, the positive, let's put that in quotes. What's positive, but you don't preach what is negative. If, you know what happens then? Is people take, take, people take what's positive and they add it on the shelf with what's negative. They don't remove it. The measure of the gospel and the word of God is not what's positive or what's negative. Or what makes you happy or what offends you. Did you hear what I said? It's not the standard. The standard is not what is perceived as positive or what's perceived as negative. The standard is what is true or what is false. Oh, that went. You know, I, I normally would make a note did not go over well, but it doesn't matter if that doesn't go over well because it is 
true. The standard is not, if you preach what, let me say the difference, if you preach what's true today, half, three quarters or more of the church will say, that's a negative preacher. And that is not the standard of God's word. The standard of God's word is, thus saith the Lord. The standard of God's word is what is true and what is right. That God, there's things God tells you to do. There's things God loves and there's things God hates. And they're both valid. And you have to have both. Let me help you. I can tell you how I demonstrated my love to my children. I told them what was positive and I told them what was negative. Now, where'd y'all go? Because I'm talking in terms you can understand. Anybody, how, how many of you have, have kids, grandkids, been around kids, ever seen a kid? When you got that precious little angel, toddler, and he's running towards that hot stove, you say, don't you touch that stove. And I got a question to ask you. Is that negative? No, it sure sounds negative. Put your hand up here. Be that toddler. Put your, toddler. Put your hand up here. Reach for the, reach for the hot stove. Be, stu be stubborn. Reach for that hot stove. I learned the first time. Nah. <laughs> you, hey. <laughs> now, if this was in the church world today, the message would be, Mama loves you, baby. Uh, did y'all even catch that? They're headed for a disaster. Mama loves you, baby. No, 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 no rebuke. No stopping. But positive. Mama loves you, baby. And you sure got cute hands. And I think you're precious. And look at your little outfit. Aren't you the cutest thing that ever does? Now, can I ask you a question? What is needed in that situation? What is needed in that situation? What demonstrates the reality of your love for that child? Mama loves you, baby, and you sure are cute. Look at your curls. And <laughs> well, I told her I loved her. And it was positive. Yet that's exactly what the church world would have you believe today. That's exactly what the, that God just loves you. I've told you a thousand times that God's love is not the question, never has been. God loves you. Period. 
God's love has never been the question. It's not God's love for you. That's the question. It's your love for God. And God loves you enough. He says, whom I love, I chasten. Whom I love, I rebuke. The proverb says that if you rebuke a fool, he'll hate you. That if you rebuke a wise man, that he will love you the more. Two-thirds of the gospel to be preached is correction by every standard in the book. Go through and read it. That's why I'm telling you, you're not loving it. Well, you, yeah, you've done good. You've been going to church and you've been doing this and all that. But I got to hurry because y'all, y'all got to hurry up and get it. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. He says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with long suffering. Two thirds. Go, you say, well, you just pulled that number out of the air. No, sir. Two thirds. Oh, by the way, go through the breakdown of the epistles. Two-thirds are corrective. You know why? Because you hard-headed. We're stubborn. And we want what we want. Just like Heather. Did y'all see me? Right, right in front of all y'all. I said, put your hand back up there and do it again. She did. You know why? She's stubborn. You say, what's this got to do? I'm trying to open our eyes to you must be born again. That's the number one. That's the that's the that's the the where we focused on. That's why we went and talked about Cornelius, who was who who a man had he is he's he you want him on the church roll. And he's lost. You know what lost is? Lost. I'm trying to find a landing spot and trying to find a runway. Some of you first time, some of you hundred times, some of you think, I know what there you, you know what the most dangerous position to be in is when you when you're hearing the word of God is I know that. I know that. I know that. I've heard that. You know what you should never do? I'm in this book. Half the time, I'm reading and quoting another version. You ever notice that? Because I'm in it so much that I'm sitting here reading it off the page in New King James, quoting King James. But when I read, when I study, I want eyes like it's the first time I've ever seen it. Like I don't know what's coming. Speak to me. What are you saying? Not what did mama tell me. 
Because Mama may have had good intentions and may be saved, sanctified on her way to heaven, and she may have been wrong about some stuff that she taught you. What does the word say? Mama may have been precious, and she may have been shouting on the hills of glory, but Mama may have been wrong. Because Mama's not the standard. The word of God is. Denominations and denominational leadership is not the answer. You know what this pastor would tell you, everybody in this room? I, I, I strive to rightly divide the word of truth. You know what you should do? You should go home and search the scriptures like the, Berean, the Bereans did and see whether it be of God. That's what you should do. And we, what is happening, all, we're, we are mostly, largely in a post-Christian world. We're not even Christianized anymore. And I hate terms like evangelical. And all that, I hate those things. I don't mind telling you I hate those kind of terms because they mean nothing. I read the other day where 70, Barna, Barna's credible, right? Where two-thirds of evangelicals don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That tells you that two-thirds of evangelicals are lost. Evangelicals should mean something. But it doesn't. So it's not, it's not enough that I'm still assemblies of God. Or that I'm Protestant, whatever that means. Or that I'm evangelical. Or that I'm whatever. It does not matter. Do you know what matters? What matters is that I am born again. You must be born again. And that means more than I got religion. It means more than I shook a preacher's hand or I put my name on the roll. It means more than I repeated a prayer. And I'm not against repeating a prayer. Because that prayer will lead you to heaven if you've got faith in your heart. I'm going to end. Brandon, go play. The, pi- the keys. I was afraid we was about to have a Forrest Gump moment. <laughs> that was wrong. Well, you remember they told him to run home <laughs> when he was playing when he did. Yeah. <laughs> Tony, tell me to shut up. Just, just say shut up, Jr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you must be you must be church you must be you must be and hear me because this is a mouthful statement some of you you may yawn some of you may shock some of you may say yeah that's right or anything in between but let me tell you about born because see when you're born again there's a reason he says you must be born again 
must be born of the water and the spirit. Whatever's flesh is flesh. Whatever's spirit is spirit. What a big statement that is. He must be. He's literally saying, you've got to become something else. When you're born again, you literally change kingdoms. He said, unless a man's born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When you're born again, you literally change kingdoms. You go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. By the way, follow through on through chapter 3, and it's going to talk about the darkness and the light. It's all there. You know what else happens? You get a new father. How do I know that? Because he tells you, <laughs> he tells you so, that, that when I am born again, he says, I receive a spirit of adoption. You know what? I've got adopted children. You know what that means? They were born to someone else. I have adopted children. People all the time asking us. They look at shy. They look at those babies and they get this confused look on their face trying to figure out where in the world those Asian babies come from. Like they never, never heard of an adoption. I told one guy one time, I said, if you, it's, it's like a slot machine. Every once in a while you get an Asian. So much for serious. <laughs> you know what happened when I adopted Shy and Heather adopted Mays? We went down to the, we went to Little Rock and we went down to the Bureau of Vital Statistics and we walked into an office. We took an old birth certificate, legal documents, and they changed the names on those documents. And replaced them. And when that happened, they came into a different family. They were biologically born to someone else, but legally, that's the right word because God does everything legally. He does everything legally. There was a legal change of name and family. Who used to be her father as far as the state and the country and the world is concerned no longer exist in her life. She got a new father. Maid's got a new mother. The Bible says that when you get born again, you receive a spirit of adoption. It says, whereby I then cry, Abba, Father. And I got a new family because he says, I become an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And I know that's true because when he was talking to the Jewish nations and the, and the religious leaders, he told them, said, you are of your father, the devil. I got a new father. And I became something completely different. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Got to hurry. Old things pass away. Behold all things are become new. And here's what I was going to tell you. I mean it's shocking. It's shocking. If you didn't become a new if something new you didn't get saved. You weren't born again. If there was no you say you, how can you say I didn't say that the word just told you that. If a man is in Christ he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all of all things have become new. 
If there's no changing faith, there was no saving faith. You will find nowhere in the Word of God, anywhere, where somebody was born again that they didn't have a changed life. Oh, was they, was they, was they a mature believer that minute? Certainly not. That's why, that's why we have to be in the Word, have a prayer life. That's why our mind has to be changed, renewed by the Word. But if it didn't change you, you didn't get saved. Say, oh, that's negative. No, no, no. That is true. That is true. Does it mean you won't have any more struggle? Not a, not a chance. It means that everything in you, well, you didn't even struggle with your sin before you got saved. Your sin didn't bother you. you sometimes, it, I'm trying to hurry because it's late, but it, it can't be not said. Sometimes the consequences of your sin may have bothered you, but your sin never bothered you before you were born again. Because it was natural for you to sin. When you became something else, a new creation, your attitude towards sin changed. And everything in you changed. The things that you used to think nothing of, now you think, oh, why did I do that? You know what that is? That's the Spirit of God in you that's revealing to you that you're something different. And before what you didn't even want to change and didn't have the power to change because you don't have that in you. Paul said it, I know in me who dwells no good thing. Now you have the Spirit of God in you and it says, hey! Hey! And you think, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Hey, Jim. Church, hear me. Jesus changes everything. Stand with me all over this house. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. And I do mean everything. He changes everything. You must be born again. Father, help us tonight at the close of this service. Thank you for your word. The, just the basics of your word. Could nothing be any more foundational and nothing else matters past born again. If you're not there, if you're not born, nothing else matters. Lord, move in this place tonight. Thank you for opening your word. And in these closing moments, all over the south, heads are bowed, now eyes are closed, and this is where we're going. And the Spirit of God's dealing with hearts and lives right now, all over this house. I already said that praying a prayer won't change you if you're just mouthing empty words, if you're just a parrot. But Romans chapter 10 tells you if, you if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. Because it's with the mouth confession is made into salvation, and with the heart one believes. So if you pray and you believe it, you'll leave here different than you came. 
you'll leave here completely different. All over this house, pray with me tonight in the closing moments of this. We've made, it, we've made this thing too complicated when it's very simple. All over the house, everybody together. Say, why are together? There's some people around you that need your support. And there's some people around here that need a new life. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry for my sin. And I need a Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Renew me by the power of your blood. I repent of my sin tonight. Everybody, I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that God has raised him from the dead, that he's alive. I make you my Lord and my Savior tonight. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you pray with faith, that's a changing moment in your life, a defining moment. Somebody hear me. If you need to slip out quickly, I mean, I understand the hour, but there's nothing more important than lives in the balance right now. Because the first thing that's going to come to you is the enemy's going to come and say, nothing changed in you. Saying what? That's the surest, one of the surest signs that something changed in you. We've made it too complicated. All my, we've made it where you had to come forward. Coming forward's fine. We've made it where you had to, had to have snot in your nose. Snot in your nose is fine. We've made it where you had to cry. Crying's fine. All those things are good. All those things are fine. But none of them are in the Scripture. All that's in the Scripture is that you believe on Him. Confess Him as your Lord and Savior that He said you shall be saved. Now walk for him. Live for him. Get in this word. Get in the prayer life. Let him change your life. Amen.